0: Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for the latest edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. August is almost over, which means just one thing. The return of Sunbelt football, it's right around the corner. Before we get to today's episode, we wanted to tell you about our last, the 10th in our season preview series. We spoke with App State head coach Sean Clark about the upcoming season for the App State Mountaineers. If you missed it or any of our season preview episodes, we've got over 10 hours of content at this point. Make sure you go back and give them a listen. Today on episode 106 of the show, we're excited to be continuing our season preview series. This time talking the ULM Warhawks, head coach Terry Bowden is going to join us shortly. The Warhawks finished four and eight for the second straight season a year ago. This year, Terry Bowden enters his third year at the helm of this program. Caden, there's a lot more excitement around this ULM program than maybe we've seen in years past. They'll have a new quarterback and a number of new pieces on both sides of the ball. Are you expecting this Warhawks team to take a step forward in the Sunbelt West this fall?
1: It's truly tough to say in the competitive Sun Belt West. We'll talk to Coach Bowden about his ability to turn programs around, and this seems like it's going to be about that time and that timeline as far as if we're going to see improvement from this team, it's going to be this year. But I like what we saw in small flashes and small moments from them last year. Obviously, the win against Louisiana being one of them, some close games against Coastal Carolina and South Alabama, two of the top teams. In the conference from a season ago so they have something to build on they have some new pieces and things to address so i think in general it's easier to say that they could possibly stay the same just given the pieces they've given and taken but if coach bowden and his continuity that they kept in this coaching staff is able to just maybe get a little bit more out of this team i don't think it'd be unrealistic to see some improvement
0: yeah possibility perhaps for them to get to a bowl game that might be a little bit of a stretch this year Uh, but always in the realm of possibility. Well, as promised, we're talking ULM football. Terry Bowden is in the house. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to hear from Coach Bowden. Well, we are really excited to have ULM head football coach Terry Bowden on the Frarian Smith podcast for the first time. Terry, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you all for having me. Well, let's jump right in as we do on this show. And, uh, you know, summer was a busy time for you, as it is for most Division I football coaches. You guys were running camps. You guys were recruiting like crazy. Uh, what was your summer like?
2: Busy. Just like
0: what you said, it's not; it's a lot different.
2: You know, it, 40 years ago this year was my first year as head coach in college, 1983. And you, all your players went home in the summer. And it was a different day. Even when I played football at West Virginia, you didn't have the summer but nowadays not just with football camps in June but the ability of a coaching staff to work with their players an hour a day or meet with them an hour a day now it's a full time job so you get a couple of weeks off for vacation and I usually take that around the July 4th but it's a busy summer they don't they don't come in unprepared they don't come in hoping they're in shape they're here working every day so it was a good summer i still love it but it's a it's a it's a 12 month occupation now even more than it was 25 or 30 years ago
1: Thanks for joining us again, Coach. And we've definitely had a lot of coaches on this podcast echo that sentiment about the full-timeness of the job. But now you're entering your third year in Monroe. This team finished 4-8 and the last two seasons. The staff and the players have signaled a lot of excitement and hope about this upcoming season for this Warhawks team. Why do you believe this team will take another step forward this upcoming season?
2: Uh, Well, Mainly because this is a sixth coaching job I've taken over, and five of those six were terrible. we were in terrible shape. And we turned them all around, and we eventually won. Now, why do I pick this year? Because it's the next year. Uh, it, it took only one year at Auburn to go from, from five and six to 11 and 0. Uh, it took four years at Akron to go from 111, 111 to, uh, first bowl win ever. Uh, and, and everywhere I've been, it's been like that when you're rebuilding. Last year was the exact same record as the year before, but we played coastal Carolina within seven. We played it, We were ahead of South Alabama at halftime. We, 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 were in games with a chance to win against the better teams of our conference last year. So I wish we could have pulled a few of those off. We didn't, but we also beat some teams we probably weren't favored to beat uh, just as well. So, you know, the old saying, when you take over a program that's down. Now, now this program when I got here was 0-11. They had not won a game and did not lead in a single game. They were at their bottom. And so you have to start building. But uh, I do think that in this third year, we were able to get a, a little more talent toward the direction we want to go and I know from experience that if we'll just do the right things, coaching and playing wise uh, and keep our nose to the grindstone and do a good job, we'll, we'll get some success out of this program. So, We're looking for this year to be that year that we get to that winning record and get to that bowl game.
0: Coach, this offseason, we've seen a lack of continuity on coaching staffs, particularly in this league. We've seen multiple coordinators leave for jobs at Power 5 institutions. That story is very different for your team. You guys bring back your offensive coordinator, Matt Kubik. You guys have your defensive coordinator, Vic Koning, back as well. How has that continuity kind of allowed this team to further grow this offseason?
2: Well, those two positions are critical, and those two are back. We didn't change our special teams coordinator. We got a new one. Our other coach went to a head coaching job in the HBC level, uh, and we lost a couple other assistant coaches. At ULM, first of all, if you hire good people, you're going to lose them. I mean, we're from a salary standpoint, in the Sun Belt, if you hire good coaches and you hire the really good ones, you're going to lose them. Uh, and so that's got to be understood, and it's got to be built in. But when you can keep your coordinators around – you have continuity of offense and that's what, and defense. And right now we're wanting continuity. Our, our our quarterback is coming back for his third year here. He's backed up Chandler Chandler uh, uh, Rogers, and he's ready to go. And he understands what we're trying to do. Vic Coning. Now who had great success at Troy several times was my brother's coordinator at Clemson has been a lot of places. Uh, He's, he's getting more players that adapt to what he does defensively. So I think it's important that you keep your coordinators around as long as you can, but man, the longer you're in this business, if you hire good people, they're going to get hired away because they're going to get noticed.
1: Let's stay on that quarterback position. You mentioned, Coach, you mentioned Chandler Rogers transferring out of the program following last season. And now it appears that Jaya Wright is going to step in as the starting quarterback this fall. Reports have been saying his performance in the spring has been glowing in the midst of fall camp now. How have you seen him performing? what do you think he can provide to the offense heading into the year?
2: Well, first of all, I'm excited for Jaya Wright because he has a great story of perseverance and never giving up. He's been to two or three different schools. He got me, he left Northern Illinois, went to the Florida Tech, and they dropped football on him. Then he went to a junior college and found his way here. But you know what it reminds me of is the quarterback at Georgia or the quarterback at Tennessee. You know, one came from Virginia Tech, never played, never started four straight years. And he goes out there and is an MVP on offense in the, in the Southeastern Conference. The guy at Georgia, how about Stetson? He's out there six years in the program. The first four, he, back, he gets beat out every year. And yet, even his, in his first championship year, he got beat out but took it back over, won a championship, had one great year. So, I think Jai is at that position. He's persevered. He's got a good, strong arm. He runs well. Uh, he's paid his dues. And I, and I like good things to happen to good people. So, one, I think he's paid the price, and he's, gonna, he's a great leader of our team. Uh, but we've got Hunter Herring transferred in there from Lafayette. Hunter was from uh, Monroe. And he's 6'4 a half, two twenty, half, 220, and he looks like that part. You know, I've gotten to the point now with all the portal transfers. I want a 5'10 quarterback. <laughs> the power fives won't come after him after you groom them. Not, not really. I don't want a 5'10 but you know, when you get a guy that's too good, too tall, you're just going to look, you're just grooming them for somebody else. And so, uh, but, but Jaya, really, I'm, I'm excited for him. And, 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 and I use those two, two quarterbacks as examples of guys that persevered and went on to incredibly great things that no one would have predicted in their wildest dreams that that would have happened to those two quarterbacks.
0: Coach, just staying on that topic real quick, where do you feel like, what does Jaya Wright bring to this football team that maybe Chandler Rogers didn't?
2: Well, I I think he he brings a little stronger arm and a little better running ability. Probably not as much experience of poise in the pocket. You know, that's that old saying, poise in the pocket. He's probably more likely going to jump out and try to run on you and, and, and do those kind of things. But, he really uh, he he really is kind of the same guy uh and that's why they were kind of one a and one b, but he's a little more probably dynamic in his athleticism uh a little less polished than just sitting in the pocket and being a quarterback uh, and so you're going to try to take advantage of that so we, we're going to continue to do what we've been doing here we like we like to run the football we've got a good battle going at running back and uh, and so I think Jaya will fit in very nicely to what we've done here for the last couple of years under Matt Kubik.
0: We'll get to that running back and offensive line in a few moments, but I want to ask about Tyrone Howell. He transfers into this program ahead of last year and promptly put up strong numbers, 50 catches, 852 yards, six touchdowns. This year, he's on the Bolitnikoff Preseason Award Watch List. What's impressed you about his game and where are some areas that you think he can further elevate his game this year?
2: Well, he's, he's he's very athletic. He he's about six three, two five, two ten, and it's just athletic. And uh, when he when he's hooked, hooked locked up one on one, even in press coverage, he's going to win most of his one on one battles because of his height and his physicality. He just has great skills, um, the body skills, uh, and so that's his key uh, is his athleticism. Uh, and he can also beat you deep, you know. So I think that's the area. I think the key is is going to be us getting him the ball. What, what 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 ways can we get him the ball? And I think that's important to you. Know, if your guys sitting in the backfield, your star sitting in the backfield, you just turn around, and hand it to him. When he's out there on the edge, you got to design some ways to get him the ball. So we're still committed to what we do well, run that football. But he is he is he is a lot, lot more experienced now. He needs to really. The problem with a guy like that, they don't get they don't get challenged in the sun, in, camp, in camp. Nobody can challenge him, so he has to be very self motivated to push hard. To be it, because I imagine if he wants to play on Sundays, he better play at peak level every single day. Because there's a lot of guys like him in that level, but he's done a great job for us, and we'll we'll, we'll hopefully can get him the ball some.
1: Coach, you've touched on that run game a few times. We know offensive coordinator Matt Kubik lights that downhill rushing attack. We have some new pieces at the running back room, like you mentioned, with that competition. And also, that offensive line is expected to be one of the best units since your arrival in Monroe. Do you think this unit could possibly take a step forward in the run game? And what pieces, whether it's that offensive line or those running backs, are you excited about this year?
2: I think we need to. I, I do think we need to. And we've made a commitment to doing just that. Uh, start the offensive line. We've got three starters back. The other two went in the portal. They didn't graduate. They went in the portal. But we've got about twelve on scholarship. Great competition, and we'll line up as good or better at offensive line. What we'll look differently is in the running back position. Both of our running backs portaled out uh, to go other places, but we were able to get people, which quite often you can do when it comes to running back. We we've, we've gotten some people with outstanding backgrounds and talent. Uh, at the end of the, at the end of, the, of uh, as of today, Hunter Smith, the third or fourth team running back last year, we kind of redshirted him and brought him on slowly. He's really uh, sitting at the number one spot. But it's like four guys that we're really looking at. Isaiah Willard came out of Mississippi. He was at Ole Miss four years, uh, played some football there. Thad Franklin transferred from Miami. He's a 230-pound guy that's got a little size. Both those guys are 218 and 230, bigger guys. Uh, and then Bennett Galloway has been with the program a year or so, and he came out of South Carolina uh, and is a, was a highly sought-after recruit over there. We had some connections so I think we got a good battle for four guys there, and they are downhill running backs. They, I believe, that's kind of what I see in this league. I don't know if I see those guys with just elite speed that outrun everybody. I see guys that are blue collar, bring your mail, your 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 lunch bucket to work kind of guys, and I've got some running backs like that.
0: Well, you heard it here first. Get out of the way when ULM is on the goal line. They're going to try to punch it in with the running backs. Uh, Coach, Caden and I both were impressed with Aiden Huntington at Media Days. He pulls out a notebook in front of us with some personal, <laughs> some team goals this season. He's clearly a leader on this team already. What's allowed him to step into that leadership role so quickly?
2: Well, you know the old saying, you, you know, talk's cheap, you know, and you, you can talk the talk, but you got to walk the walk. He walks the walk. He He, he leads every drill. He leads in the weight room. He's early for meetings. He, uh, is, he, he, he lives a clean life. You know, he does the kind of things you want a player to do. If you do all those things and you have the ability to make plays in our scrimmages in our spring, he did that in the spring. So now, and he, he is a natural leader. He likes to lead by voice, and he does a good job doing that, but he's very conscientious, very hardworking, and uh, you can't be a verbal leader unless you're a, a, a visual leader. And that's the biggest thing. He's brought with us a really talented defensive tackle uh, that will rally other people as well and pl- uh, and get get other people to play at the level he's playing.
1: Staying on the side of the ball, Coach, and talking about the players in that unit that's going to be behind him, you lost a lot of names this offseason in that linebacking course, specifically Zach Woodward, who's the lead tackler, is gone. You lose Quay Jake. Drake Jabari Johnson, who each started eleven plus games for this team last year, you bring back guys like Tristan Driggers, who's one of my favorite players in the conference, a very versatile piece. But outside of him, maybe what are some expectations for that linebacker position this season?
2: Well, you know, you got inside linebackers and outside linebackers, and they're 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 both guys with a different skill set. But we really believe in getting guys that can run, have some length, and can play in the open field and at as many positions as possible. So uh, we've had a great one-two combination. In, uh, in Carl Glass and, and, and Michael Batten, the inside linebacker. They're both more like 220, 218 and can flat run. And, uh, they give us great athleticism there as well as, uh, uh on the outside backer. That's a little different. You know, nowadays I'm not sure I can tell the difference between a strong safety and outside linebacker or a Rover or sports, you know, Rover or bandit, all those names they have because that 210, to 215 pound skill set. Is versatile in our offense and our defense. You get, and so we have a lot of those type players. But I think you're going to see most of all is a group of guys that can run to the football much more athletically. Because I think when Vic Coning came in, I, I hired him. He wasn't able to bring in people to fit his system that first January uh, after last season. We were able to bring in a whole bunch of new people that can play. and I think that's where you're going to see that uh, is is on the defense the number of players that are are of a little better skill set.
0: Coach, Caden played secondary at App State, so team secondaries are kind of a constant topic of conversation right. on the Frary and Smith podcast. You're bringing back a lot of experience on the back end of this defense. You've got Lou Tillery, Deuce Mayberry, Carlin Vigors, just to name a few. In right. total, you're bringing back six of your top eight guys. What are your expectations for that group this year? Is that going to be the best unit on your defense?
2: Yeah, I think, I think I'm think i expecting a, a, a bright bright day or a brighter side of our defense with the number of players we brought in. We have new safeties. Uh, Simeon Hines and A.J. Watts, they weren't around. So A.J. was not eligible last year. Simeon played some as a freshman last year. We, we have a little better skill set there. Our cornerbacks, they're back. I mean, you're talking about an outstanding set with Vigors and Tillery and Godsey and Mayberry uh, along with uh, a couple of other new guys. We've got a, We probably are our best talented people over there at the, on the edge. Uh, And again, I want our guy, I want us to be very aggressive with those seven people that that are near that box, but I want to make sure we don't give up the big play. And so I feel, I feel much better uh, on our back end when that comes because yes, we've got to get, we, we, we got to stop the run. We got to make sure we stop the run and get a lot of, a lot of people around the ball. I think we may have been last in the nation in creating turnovers. And that's because you have a lot, when you got people that don't, don't get to the ball. You know, it's not the guy that causes the fumble. It's the guy that recovers the fumble. We couldn't get good people to the ball. So we've spent a lot of time getting people around the ball. And I think even in our back end, our safeties and our corners, you'll see a lot of guys that have the speed and the ability to get to that football a lot better uh, so that we can be in a position to create turnovers, which, you know, don't give up the big play and create turnovers or, or win the turnover battle are probably the two big, biggest statistics in turning a program around for sure. And that's where we have to focus on.
1: Definitely sounds like there's some exciting pieces and potential from that defense. But to end things, Coach, talking more big picture on both sides of the ball, you're already deep into fall camp now. So from what you've seen, who are some players on this roster who maybe fans aren't familiar with and based on what you've seen could become household names this year and people they could expect to make some plays for this team?
2: Well, I mean, I mean, we mentioned Aiden Huntington. I think he will. Uh, Kennard Schneider at the other defensive end position on defense. Uh, we mentioned him uh at wide receiver uh bugs mortimer he he played a little bit as a backup but he's got some he's really a skilled wide receiver looking forward to seeing him play uh our punter and kicker are new but they were both very very good backups they they set their they've set for here a couple of years and they were just so close to being the stars but we had two seniors last year so i really think the kicker and the punter will give us instant where, where it's not just newcomers it's guys that have put a lot of time in and have proved they can play so uh and, and I might add Trey Corley, maybe the best long snapper I've had in, in, in close to 30 years as a head football coach. And so he does a great job there, when, which is so important to us. And when he closed ballgames is the, is the mechanics of our kicking game and how important that is.
0: Well, certainly special teams in area to continue to grow this year. Coach, we appreciate your time joining us today and uh, certainly look forward to watching ULM as you guys try to uh, make this next step forward.
2: Thank you so much, fellas. Appreciate y'all.
0: It's always fun getting to talk to a new head football coach on the podcast, and it was enjoyable talking with Terry Bowden. He seems excited about his team and, and potentially the step forward that they could potentially take this fall.
1: He definitely seems excited. Coach Bowden, that Bowden name definitely has some weight in the college football world. So it was great talking to him and just hearing his perspective and his mindset heading into the team. I think it's good that they have an identity. They know what they want to do. A lot of new teams who are maybe trying to find themselves and find out how to win might also have identity issues. But I think he knows what he wants his team to look like, what he wants them to do and how he wants them to execute. It's just going to be a matter of when they line it up. Can all of the work they've put in this offseason culminate and result in more wins for them this year?
0: Yeah, Kane. it's going to be fascinating. This is a team that, you know, needs to try to put it all together. They've had, you know, good quarterback play last year with Chandler Rogers. They've had other pieces, but it just hasn't all been put together so far.
1: Yeah, and then the Sun Belt, the way it is and how competitive it is now, there's not very many teams that have a multitude of weaknesses at different position groups that are able to thrive. When you think about the teams that we saw in the championship conversation last year, they might have had one or two position groups that are a point of weakness. This unit last year, this team last year had a couple areas of weakness. And when you have a couple of those, the teams who have more, it's just simply a numbers game, will be able to expose that. So I think heading into this year, going to be very interesting to see if maybe they can turn some of those weaknesses into strengths and make some of those close games, like we mentioned before, turn into some wins for this team.
0: Well, this ULM team, Caden, they finished last season with a four and eight record in the second season with Terry Bowden at the helm of this program. This program has been in the so-called proverbial cellar for the past several years of the Sun Belt. Uh, their last bowl appearance came back in 2012. Kaden, it does feel like they're trending in the right direction, though. Back-to-back four and eight seasons. Coach Bowden has a track record for turning programs around. What are your expectations for this team in 2023?
1: I don't expect this team to take a step back. I expect them to be either the same or maybe a little bit better. They have a tough schedule that we'll talk about later, but in the front of their schedule, they'll figure out who they are very fast. And like we've mentioned in the past, they'll be able to figure out in moments where they won't have to necessarily play games that matter. But I think if this team can figure out their identity and who they are very early in the season, I could see them once it gets to the time where they're playing the teams in the Sunbelt West, having closer contests, and maybe if there are better up front in a couple areas, whether it's offense or defense, being able to keep games closer, possess the ball better, and maybe pull out some wins. So I expect this team to be pretty much the same as they were last year, but maybe, just maybe, they have a couple areas of improvement. They prove they can win some games late in the past. If they can maybe do that again this year, maybe we see five or maybe even six wins and they can get to a bowl game, which would be huge for this team.
0: Yeah, Terry brought up a great point too, Kate. And a lot of these teams on their schedule this year, they have beaten within the last two years. I think back to a win against South Alabama a couple of years ago, they beat Louisiana last year. So, you know, if things come together, there is a chance here for ULM to maybe put together a little bit of a run and perhaps improve on those four wins from a season ago. Well, Caden, as we mentioned in the interview when talking with Coach Bowden, Chandler Rogers is gone. Uh, He transfers to North Texas in the offseason. We did just find out as we were recording this, he did not win the starting job there at North Texas, so he is going to be the backup there. But ULM turns to senior Jaya Wright at the position, a player that Coach Bowden kind of referred to in this interview as 1B to Chandler Rogers. A season ago, Caden, he doesn't really have an extensive track record to look at throughout his career, but he's going to provide Matt Kubick with some interesting wrinkles on offense, particularly with his speed. Uh, What are your thoughts on this quarterback situation in Monroe?
1: Well, first of all, we were able to speak with Jaya at Media Days, and he was a super humble, down-to-earth kid who was very appreciative of the journey he's been on and how he's gotten to this point now and that journey that Coach Bowden mentioned and now being the person that's going to be that starter. Coach Bowden also mentioned and gave him comparisons to quarterbacks like Stinson, Bennett, and Hended Hooker who have worked in the shadows for some time before bursting onto the scenes later into the career. I don't know if we're going to see that from Jaya, right? But you talked about it. He definitely adds a different dynamic to this offense compared to Chandler Rogers last year. I don't know if we're going to see that kind of jump at the position this year. And I think what he brings to the table versus what Chandler brings to the table kind of makes it a a dead even scratch. We might see some of the the same things as far as what they're able to do as an offense. Chandler had that rushing ability. He rushed for 300 yards last year, had five touchdowns on the ground, but apparently Jai is a much more dynamic runner, has a stronger arm. Rogers accuracy and ability to work in the pocket was kind of underrated. Last year, he completed 67% of his passes only behind Grayson McCall in the conference. So, to me, you're getting, you're trading accuracy for arm strength and more mobility. So, it's kind of a wash as far as what you're getting from the position overall. But I am excited to see potentially some design runs out of Jaya, right? Maybe some more deep balls to Tyron Howell, kind of leaning into his skill set more. And there is a universe where maybe this skill set kind of complements this off of it's better as a whole, kind of thinking more like, Louisiana quarterback situation that was going on last year, and maybe specific skill sets matching up with the identity of an offense better. This offense wants to run the ball. Jaya can run the ball. So maybe there's a universe where he does that better. And as a result, this offense gets better than it was last season.
0: Yeah, Caden, it will certainly be fascinating to see. And I think, you know, this is kind of a great way to transition too, because one of the things that they want to see Jaya Wright do is get the ball to Tyrone Howell more. He was outstanding a season ago. And Kane, really, when you look at the quarterback position, you are only as good as the receivers that you have to throw to. ULM is losing three of their top five receivers. Boogie Knight is gone. Jevin Fred, Zach Rasmussen are all no longer with the program. They do still have their top target, uh, Tyrone Howell, who I mentioned a moment ago. He's on the Bolitnikoff preseason watch list this season after putting up huge numbers last year. Kane, they also dipped into the portal to bring in Bud Tolbert, 9 Davis. They bring them to Monroe. Plus, you've still got guys like Alred Luke and Bugs Mortimer, who I do think has one of the best names in the Sun Belt. Those guys will be in the slots. Caden, the Warhawks have their number one wide receiver, but I'm really concerned about the depth behind Howell heading into the year.
1: It's definitely a legitimate concern, and I think – Howell's impact on their offense as a whole, just as a wide receiver, is definitely scary and staggering when you look at it last season. I mean, he was the definition of the tip of the spear for this team. He was their only all-conference player from a season ago and was by far their most important player. If you take their FCS win over Nichols State out of the picture, their three wins last year, he had a combined 19 catches for 370 yards and two scores. He directly impacts their winning and Not to mention, he also took apart and picked apart one of the best secondaries that we know, I think, so highly of at South Alabama with nine grabs last year for just 244 yards and three touchdowns. He was almost the reason they won that game and only lost by a touchdown. But that's just not sustainable as an offense. You don't want your offense to just simply rely on a 50-50 ball deep threat receiver as your one and only engine to get your offense going. So they're going to have to have this supporting cast step up. Who's going to surround them? It's going to be hard to tell. You mentioned three of their top five pass catchers leave from last season, but it sounds like they have confidence in that slot receiver position. You talked about Bugs Mortimer, who coach also speaks highly of. He's that small 160-pound slot receiver that we've mentioned before, that body type that's very hard to guard in space. And I could just see that pairing well, potentially with Tyron Howell, just that both of them being on the same side of the field or on different sides of the field. As a secondary, you want to be able to – focus and hone in on one receiver at a time and tyrone howell and his skill set makes that easy to do but if they have a threat in the slot whether that's him or alfred luke who played great last season especially against coastal carolina and has experience if either of those slot guys can pop i think it'll be huge for this entire offense and for tyrone howell opening up and then you mentioned it too the transfers like bud tolbert and nine nine davis they both kind of have similar productions in their one year at mtsu and utah state maybe one of those pieces can step up as well but hopefully they can get somebody to help this guy out because just his his style of play is not sustainable. If your offense isn't running the ball, which we'll talk about later, well, you can just simply put guys over the top of Tyrone Howell and stop immediately. But once you get some weapons in the mix in the slot and in other places that are able to cook, then you can really open up your offense and do some exciting things. So hopefully Tyrone Howell can get some help this year and as a result this offense will definitely flourish a lot better.
0: Yeah, it's a fascinating point there. I think a team's like South Alabama, even an App State team that we previewed on Monday, Uh, teams that have a lot of wide receiver weapons, and it certainly makes things more challenging for those opposing defenses. Kane, you mentioned the run game for this ULM football team, and uh, there are two main factors in the success in that run game. The running backs first, and then ultimately the offensive line. At running back, Malik Jackson and Andrew Henry are both gone, along with Chandler Rogers, who actually, surprised me, was the team's number two rusher uh, last year. Caden, they're restocking. They bring in Thad Franklin from Miami, Isaiah Woolard from Old Miss, both physical downhill rushers. And then on that offensive line, Caden, you're bringing back three starters, and Coach Bowden loves the depth at this position. Are you buying, Caden, that ULM is going to be able to run the football more consistently this fall?
1: I am buying that they will run the football. I think that this team and Coach Bowden, this offensive coordinator, they've made their identity wanting to run the ball. But when you're the third worst rushing offense in the league it brings up questions of if you should make this identity if you should do this should you maybe switch up your attack and your scheme and be a little bit less stubborn with it I think the staggering part about it is this team only had one game with a hundred yard rusher last year and it was in that big win over Louisiana so I think when they can run the ball when they've shown they can run the ball they do it well and it results in wins for them but can they do it it looks like they have the personnel to do it you talked we talked with Coach Bowden. He said this unit on the offensive line, starting off with them, is going to be as good or better, according to him. They returned those three starters, like you mentioned, and the two guys replacing those guys who left in the portal, Stacey Wilkins, who was a guy who got some playing time last year as a big body who transferred from Oklahoma in 2020, and Talik Lockett, who Coach Bowden has also vocalized, being high on. So I think this offensive line unit is going to be improved. He mentioned they have that depth as well. And then you could argue that it's the single most important unit on this team when you just look at their success. I think if this unit is better as a whole, if this offense is better as a whole, it's going to have a lot to do with this offensive line being better. So hopefully with the continuity they have coming back and with the experience they have coming back, they will be a lot better, but I am a little bit more excited about the running back room than I think others would be. When you talk about losing your top, two rushers from last year, Malik Jackson and Andrew Henry. Those are two guys that went to the transfer portal, went to Jacksonville State in New Mexico. On paper, those are big losses, losing your two leading running backs. But those two running backs weren't really able to do much for this team last year. Only one of them, like I mentioned before, was able to secure a 100-yard rushing game last year. And that was Henry against Louisiana. And he had a 75-yard run in that game. So I think that was padding that. And that was the reason for that. But both of these guys were under 200 pounds. And I don't really think they fit the scheme very well. I think when you look at this scheme and what they want to accomplish, you need bigger backs that are able to go downhill and get what they have to get done. And I think they got that through the transfer portal. You mentioned Thad Franklin from Miami; he's a 230-pound guy. Isaiah Woolard from Ole Miss is a 215-pound guy. These are guys who can bruise, who can fall forward, can get chunk yardage. And I think if you look at the big picture of this team, they can also help that clock run a little bit more, help this team possess the ball a little bit more. So I think if those two transfer portal guys are get a lot of touches can fall forward, can get five yards at a time for this team, possess the clock and keep this team in games. I think it's going to be huge because I think they actually fit the personnel and the scheme of this offense and this running game a little bit better than what they had in the past. Combine that with the offensive line. And I could potentially see myself seeing this offensive line and this running back in this running game, get better, especially if you have a dynamic weapon at quarterback of Jaya, right. Who can also run.
0: Yeah. Caden, I think if they could get back to a rushing attack, similar to what they had in 2017 to 2019, where, You know, they run for 180 to 200 yards per game. They average 30 points per game. And then you get, you know, improved quarterback play. Suddenly, this is a ULM offense that has the ability to stay in football games. Caden, though, we're going to switch sides of the football now to talk some defense. Uh, This ULM defense will have plenty of new faces this fall. They're bringing back five starters on defense, most notably in the secondary, which we're going to talk about a little bit later on in this episode. You allow 34.4 points per game a season to go. You give up nearly 200 yards per game on the ground. Kaden. it's all going to start with the defensive line, a unit that will see a number of new faces. Aiden Huntington is the leader of that unit, and they have Kennard Snyder back from last year's team. This D-line is a bit undersized, but they should be able to create a little bit more havoc than last year's team that we saw only record 20 sacks.
1: Yeah, this was the worst scoring defense across the board in the conference last year, giving up 34 points a game. That's just atrocious, and I think a lot of it does start up front. You have some big losses. You lose Caleb Thomas, Quincy Ledet, Seth Mason. Those are guys who combined for 28 starts last year, and they didn't necessarily thrive in those roles up front. This is a team that just had 20 sacks last year. Only Georgia Southern did worse than them, and they were third worst in the conference in stopping their run, averaging 194 yards per game to opponents in the run game. This team needs to find the identity and needs to just bring their lunch bill and just bring it more. I think you mentioned their size and not being as big of a unit. They have to use that to their advantage. And a part of me does worry if that's possibly a a schematic issue. You talk about the App State defensive lines we've had in the past, using their speed and undersizedness to get to the point of attack, getting their gaps and be efficient. Well, now we're seeing that App State defensive lines getting bigger and bigger now, too. We talked with Coach Clark and we've mentioned with Coach Sloan's scheme now, that with the conference and other teams running the ball and what they have up front, it's time to bolster up up front, it seems, in the trenches, in the sunbelt. and that does worry me. What also worries me is that Aiden Huntington was able to show up to this defensive line this first year with the team and automatically become the physical, verbal, emotional leader of this unit. It looks like they lacked leadership in the past and they needed it. I think it's a matter of can these guys get on his back now, this entire defense even, but specific, specifically this defensive line, can they get on his back? Can they rally with him? He's a guy that has a high motor high intensity player, a high engine. Can they get on his back? Can he lead them and make them be an improved unit? Because I think they have the talent and the potential to do it. Playing defensive line a lot of the time is a mindset. It's about being in your gap as aggressively as possible, doing some of the thankless work so the people behind you can get active and make plays for your team. Can they step up? Can they use his leadership to propel them? And can they just in this defensive scheme that they've been in for a while, executed a higher clip. I think they have a lot of questions to answer, but they have a lot of answers them to them. They can look in the mirror and figure out that, hey, these are the things we need to do. These are the things we need to check off, and if we do it, our entire defense is going to improve. A lot of this defenses defenses issues in the past have stemmed from the defensive line back. They've made the jobs of the linebackers and the defensive backs on this team a lot harder by not applying pressure by not being gap sound. Can they improve? Can they get in the playbook? Can they play with a different edge and a mindset? I think they have a lot of the potential. They already have a need in their room. Can they just step up?
0: Hey, Kane, you know as well as I do, it takes a couple of years for a new defensive coordinator to get his guys in place uh, to potentially be able to run his scheme. So we'll see if Vic Koning and his defense can turn it around, particularly on that defensive line. The linebacking core is depleted, to say the least, after losing top tackler Zach Woodard, who finishes his ULM career with, north of 300 career tackles. You're also going to be without Quay Drake at the Bandit, Jabari Johnson at the Star. You do get Tristan Driggers back, and he's by far the headliner of this group after finishing last year with 63 tackles and three interceptions over 11 starts. Caden, the team also has Makeup Baton, who had 16 tackles last year against Georgia State. You've got Carl Glass back from last year's unit. Plus, they brought in Jeterius Evans, Norman Massey, who are both expected to be week one starters. Caden, it's kind of a mixed bag with this group, but as Coach Bowden said, they should be able to fly around the field and really show some real athleticism in this linebacking core.
1: Yeah, and kind of similar to the defensive line unit, I'm a little bit worried if they're going to sacrifice that athleticism for size. I mean, Carl Glass and Michael Batten are the two inside linebackers on this team. Coach Bowden said they were about 220, 218 pounds. They're listed as a little bit less than that on the roster. And they do have a lot of speed, but that size worries me. This team opens up the season against Army, who we know is going to have that option attack running downhill in those A-gaps and being very aggressive. And then two weeks later, they play a game against Texas A&M, who's going to have a very big and meaty and robust offensive line as well and some running backs who can run downhill. So we're going to learn very fast if the speed of this team could be a detriment to them just based on the physical matchups, you're talking about inside linebacker and that's a very important place to be at. And if you give up some speed there, sometimes it's not the worst thing in the world. If you have some bruisers and thumpers who can get the ball down on the ground and keep some of those explosive plays back. But I think, when you look at the outside linebacker spot, I'm a little bit less worried. Coach mentioned that defensive coordinator Vic Cohen has a little bit more of his personnel that he wants at those spots, and I think Tristan Drinkers kind of leads the charge there. He's one of the most versatile pieces truly on the defensive side of the ball in the entire conference. We've seen him line up in the secondary before, in the box, outside of the box. I think he's going to be a big catalyst for this team, and I think as far as being a super versatile guy, he's going to have some of those other outside linebackers to hopefully put under his wings. We talked about those transfers that are coming in that are going to have to kind of follow his lead and hopefully be able to do some of the similar things he was able to do in the offense. So as far as the outside linebackers go, I think they have some range and some athleticism that's going to work in their favor, but I think some of that same athleticism could potentially handicap them on the inside linebacker spot this year. I think it's going to be one of the more, more interesting things to watch as far as personnel goes across the entire conference. When you look at all the units we have,
0: there's no denying that on this defensive line and in this linebacking core, there are a lot of question marks and questions that need to be answered as we get set for the season, Caden, but The secondary is probably the best unit on this ULM defense and maybe on the entire team. If we're being honest, they provide some hope that maybe improvement is coming to this defensive unit overall this fall. They're bringing back two starting corners and Lutillery on the field side, Deuce Mayberry on the boundary. Plus, Carlin Vigors is back and expected to play a big role for this team. You also bring in A.J. Watts, who had 21 career starts at Akron. Uh, to play free safety along with Andrew Volmer from FIU. Caden, they're bringing back six of their top eight defensive backs. You've also brought in some new pieces. It does feel like this team has a real opportunity to make this a strength of this football team.
1: Yeah, and this unit wasn't that bad last year. They weren't terrible at giving up the pass. They ranked right in the middle of the pack of the conference as far as passing yards per game, and now they get to double down the experience they had last year. You mentioned six of the top eight guys Returning, so they bring back some experience and they add some experience with Andrew Vollmer from FIU, who also has some starts under his belt, has made some plays. In his career, which not a lot of other teams can say. When you look at some of the transfer portal DBs that teams are getting, some of these guys are more predominantly special teams players. Haven't really played that much, but this is a guy who's played and can add to this unit as well. They bring back that safety duo that Coach Bowden likes of Simeon Hines and AJ Watts. You mentioned they bring their two corners back on the outside. The experience is there. I think the question is going to be: Did this unit put in the work in the off season? When you bring back size, speed, athleticism, and experience experience being the most important thing. It's only important if you can improve on that experience. When you have the all-conference names coming back, like some of these teams we've mentioned, it's a lock. It's like, okay, cool, we're getting our experience back. When you bring back experience from a team that wasn't necessarily winning, didn't have things click all the time on the defense side of the ball, all the attention and focus is going to be on them being the consistent rock of this defensive unit and potentially this team i think along with the offensive line so we're gonna have to see if this team can get better at just staying over the top giving up those explosive plays which is why they gave up the most points in the conference last year and seeing if they can get their hands on more turnovers this team finished dead last in the league last year in interceptions only having six and tristan driggers had half of them by himself so i think if you look at this unit yes they bring back their experience the question is going to be can they build on that experience can they work off of that experience and really also can they get help from that from those linebackers and defensive lines. I've haven't played many football games in my career where I haven't had a pass rush or good linebackers in front of me, but I can imagine it's not being fun as a defensive back. So there could be a lot of stress on this unit looking forward and looking ahead into the season. The question is have they improved and can they build on it and hopefully make it and turn it into a strength for them.
0: Well, let's talk about the schedule. Okay. And that's the last thing on this preview episode. The over under is currently sitting at three and a half, according to Las Vegas, uh, ULM is in their third season under Terry Bowden's leadership. So far, they've had just eight wins to show for it. They're going to have an opportunity to get off to a good start to the season with two maybe winnable games against Army and Lamar to open the season, although Army uh, won't be easy in Week 1. Caden, then you as you mentioned earlier, you go to Texas A&M in Week 3 before getting your bye week very early in the season. Then you have back-to-back home games against App State and South Alabama. Then they're going to be on the road in three of their next four weeks against Texas State, Georgia Southern, and Southern Miss with an Arkansas State game sandwiched in between at home. Kaden, they're going to end the year by welcoming Troy to Monroe before playing Old Miss and Louisiana on the road to close out the regular season. When I look at this team, Kaden, three and a half wins is the projection. Looking at this schedule, there might be a path to hitting the over here, but it probably involves beating a team or two that you're not going to be favored against.
1: It definitely does. And when we're talking schedules and matchups, I just do not love this team's schedule. You talk about facing Army in the beginning of the year. It's a very hard scheme to play against. I've already expressed some of my fears as far as the size and physicality they have on the defensive side of the ball, not to mention this Army team scored 48 points on this defense last year, and they only scored 24 against them. So I don't love that matchup. Lamar is going to hopefully be a good morale boost for this team, a team that can get a win on very similar to how they did against Nichols State last year. And then you have the two SEC opponents in Ole Miss and Texas a and who are both going to be ranked headed to the season. So the non-conference schedule is not looking great for this team. And I feel like when you get into the bowl game conversations and teams who can come close to making those bowl games, a lot of those wins can get bought in your non-conference games, and it doesn't look like they're going to be easy ones for this team. But when you get into the conference schedule, you mentioned it too, very brutal starting off your conference schedule at home against Appalachian State and South Alabama. You're going to be very hard to chalk those up As wins, But I think when you get into that stretch of the season where you're playing against Texas State, Arkansas State, Southern Miss, maybe this team can get their groove a little bit. Some of those games are at home, so hopefully they can maybe swing some momentum their way. But this team last year kind of had a three-week run where they played very well when they had back-to-back wins against Texas State and Georgia State and also played a pretty close game the week before that. So I think there is room for this team to maybe catch their groove at one of these points. We won't expect it, but it's going to be tough sledding for this team. Get into that four-win mark. Vegas put it there for a reason. It's going to be very hard for this team to get there. But I think they've shown in the past they can play in close games and potentially win some close games. So I wouldn't be surprised in October or November they maybe catch a groove for a little bit and maybe rattle off two or three wins that we don't expect.
0: And Kaden, you have made the point of saying, too, sometimes it is hard uh, to play down at ULM. I know you didn't enjoy playing there during your career. They almost took down Coastal Carolina at home a season ago. So... Certainly some things could fall in the Warhawks' direction, but uh, they will need a lot of those things to fall in their direction. Well, that will do it for our ULM preview on the Frarian Smith podcast. A special thank you goes out to ULM head coach Terry Bowden, as well as their senior associate athletic director, John Lewandowski, uh, for helping make today's conversation possible. Before you go, here's a quick reminder that the Frarian Smith podcast will return on Friday. Our season preview series stops in Caden, your hometown, Hotlanta as we welcome Georgia State head coach Sean Elliott to talk about the Panthers' upcoming season. One final thing, if you enjoyed today's episode, here's all we ask. Share this podcast with at least one of your friends. If each one of you do that, we'll double the listenership of this podcast. Help us help you by continuing to grow this show. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Frary. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.